Hey, everybody, this is Just Sold with Brent McIntosh. My name is Brent Griffiths, and joining us as always is Brent McIntosh of the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. How are you doing today? Hey, Brent. I'm well. How are you? Very, very good. And uh, I'm looking forward to this one today because, well, when it comes to fixing your place up, you want the right guy to be handling things, do you not? You do. And, and I think everybody thinks they're an expert when it comes to decorating a house. But when the reality is, is that probably very few people are good at that. And is an interior decorator, a good friend of mine, Dennis Liberon. Hey, Dennis. Hello. How are you? I'm well. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you. And, and something I didn't mention to you uh, earlier, Bryn, is that uh, you, you might know Dennis's uh, nephew. It was my roommate when I was back in, in the radio days when I worked at 630 Ted and Power 92. Mark Liberon is Dennis's nephew. And so that's how I met Dennis. It's a small years. world, so, but you wouldn't want to paint it, is the old joke, <laughs> right? So. <laughs> yeah. And so I think I've known Dennis for uh, almost 30 years now, and, and he's done a couple of properties for me, and, and we've been ecstatic about the work he's done. And so I recommend him to my clients, but let's get to know him a little bit more. Dennis, tell us about yourself. Okay, well, as you said, my name is Dennis Liberon. Um, I have been in the design field in some way or another since 1991. Um, I went to business school actually first, not design related, uh, <laughs> which has proven to be useful. And uh, then I did go to design school at Grant McEwen. Um, I actually don't have an interior design degree, which is why I'm not allowed to call myself an interior designer. I have to be an interior decorator. Uh, okay. <laughs> and, and what will happen? Will the interior designer union come after you? <laughs> there, there is a bunch of alphabets you get to put behind your name if you're a designer. And uh, yeah, there, there is an association that keeps track of who's misusing terms. Yes. Yeah. Well, as an interior decorator, tell us what services can you provide? What I do uh, is everything from uh, color consultations to um, picking out, uh, you know, the what people think of a decorator, selecting, working with clients and selecting furniture, wallpaper, art, lamps, etc. Um, but I also get into more of the um, construction aspect. So meeting with clients. Um, if they're just starting a renovation or just starting to build a home and selecting all of the finishes with them. Um, also, I am able to do drawings and work with contractors to kind of build something from the ground up. And I think there's this misconception out there that, uh, you know, somebody like yourself is, is just for the uber wealthy, but that's not necessarily the case, is it? No, I think um, some of people's opinions are shaped by what they see on TV. So you see these very like flamboyant kind of star designers. Um, and yeah, I agree. Those people probably charge a premium because they're very well noted. Their work precedes them. But the reality is there's lots and lots of, you know, uh, good decorators and designers that um work for a fair wage because what I tell clients is we can access products and prices that they can't access on their own. So we really do become kind of a value added service because we can pass a part or all of that savings onto you. And it really does balance off our, uh, our wages. 
And, and you don't necessarily have to tackle a project all at once. You could probably do it in stages if you didn't have a lot of money. Absolutely. I have clients that I jokingly call my lifers because, <laughs> you know, they're, they'll call me up one time and say, ah, I need help picking out wallpaper. And then they'll call, you know, two years later saying, I'm replacing my carpet and all my living room furniture. So uh, it's kind of an ongoing relationship. Um, I think probably a lot of designers have their clients that they're with for a long period of time, because you're right, it doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. It's like a slot machine that keeps paying out every month or, two yeah. or every year or two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, let's talk, talk about your process um, with, a, with a brand new client. Um, start, start at the beginning, I guess, when you first meet them. Well, I guess the first meeting always involves kind of showing the scope of the project. So I want to see exactly what it is that they want. Um, the second most important thing is always talking about budget early on. Um, and I think people panic because they want they want me to know an exact dollar figure. And of course, that's not possible. But But what I'm after is more of a range. Like, if you've set aside $15,000 for a kitchen versus $50,000, then that tells me where to look for products. So a low budget doesn't mean that we can't work together. Um, it's really difficult if I'm not given a budget because, of course, <laughs> the human side of me and the design side of me will, of course, pick the prettiest and most expensive thing, but that's not always the reality. So. It's really the initial, it's really the initial conversation. And I always tell people from that, <clears throat> you can get a really good feel for what each other's about and hopefully like move forward in the process. And then what's next after that initial consultation? Where, where do they go next or what do you do next? Well, what's next, depending again on the amount of work. I mean, I'm not going to do huge storyboards and samples and make everything like presentation worthy, like, like you see on TV. I think what? a lot of it is <laughs> yeah, it's not because, like that. <laughs> because people don't want to pay for that. So um, it, it takes time to do something like that. And if that's honestly what people want, then I make it clear that, you know, it's going to cost money. I can't provide all of that as a free service only for you to look at it and say, nope, I don't like yeah. it. So it's more informal. I start sending, um, photos, uh, email messages, get just getting a yay or a nay or a feel for products. We try to limit the amount of meetings, but when we do get together, we go through a bunch of stuff, narrow down the taste to make sure that what I'm thinking and what they're thinking is starting to be compatible so that I can really get a feel for the client. And then from there, you know, it becomes much more intimate in the sense of we'll go to stores together We'll um, look at exact products together and I start forming, you know, a list um, with pricing for them to accept. And you said something there that that's maybe my favorite part about what you do, that it you're not designing this house for you and for your tastes. You're picking stuff that they're going to like, colors that you think would be best for their lives. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what I tell people is for them, it's very emotional. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's not emotional because it's not my space. It's more of a, I'm here to serve you. So tell me what you want and I can logically respond if that's going to work or not. I can give some suggestions. I always like to give a couple of options anyway, 
Um, but a designer's function in many cases is not to overwhelm you with options. Right. So, so I weed through all the stuff that won't work and I hopefully give you two or three choices that will work. Have you ever had a, a situation where, you know, the, at the end of it, that your client absolutely adored uh, the final project, but that you didn't care for it at all? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, it's something that I just say, okay, well, it's not one for the portfolio, but <laughs> it, it made the client very happy. Um, like anybody else, I have aversion to some colors and the client may love those colors. So it's my job to work with them and maybe educate them on the color. Like I find a very common thing is people want like people who love color, really love color. So they want the shocking primary form of that color. And so I'm always trying to educate them and okay, to, to live with that color though, you have to gray it out a bit, just dull it down a bit can still be color, but it can't be like a baby's room every day in your house. Right. Well, uh, the pot, this podcast, uh, I try to give some tips for the do-it-yourselfers, of course. So let, let's talk about somebody, maybe give them a, a tip that they've just moved into their new space and they love the floor plan, but maybe don't like the colors or um, where is the best place for them to start if they were to do it themselves? Um, I think you logically, like, as soon as you've made the decision to buy the place, you want to take a lot of photos. Because what you remember <laughs> is often different than what the reality is. And you may not be able to gain access multiple times to this place. Yeah. So you take photos and measurements, and then you really have to sit down and think, okay, what, what would it logically be that I should replace in order to not disrupt my life after I've moved in? So, you know, a perfect example is ripping up carpets. Many, many people like, you would do that before you even move in and put new flooring down because it's pretty crappy to try to do it with a house full of furniture and boxes. Right. Um, painting, same thing. I mean, painters love it when the place is empty because they can be a little messier and it costs less time and money to paint an empty place than a full place. So I think you kind of work your way um, thinking about those projects. And there are some things that can absolutely wait. I mean, you might hate the light fixture, but is it really the thing that you have to change right away when all it takes is a ladder and you can change it after? <laughs> so I, I think you just work the order through in what you want to change when. Now, I've been listening through all of this, and the one thing that I started to wonder is how do you referee situations where you, uh, you know, there's got to be some competitive nature between a couple or, or roommates on how they want to decorate, and you're kind of stuck in the middle. How do you handle that? Well, I've learned over the years the number one thing to do is let the guy have as big of a TV as he wants, <laughs> and he'll approve everything else. <laughs> er everything else is okay. It's when someone denies <laughs> yes. that guy his TV a bad news story because no matter how pretty I make the place look, if that TV isn't hanging on that wall, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and, it, but in all seriousness, I mean, there are instances where you are um, you are playing referee and you kind of educate both parties as to, okay, what is it that you like about this and what is it that you don't like about this? So there's always ways to meet in the middle that they probably haven't thought about. Oh, that's good. Like very politically correct too. 
Um, is there some common mistakes that you see um, from, from probably some people that aren't as experienced as you? Yeah, I would say um, the number one most common mistake is people go out and buy furniture sets, as in they go and buy the matching sofa, love seat chairs. Guilty. Guilty. That's, <laughs> yeah, I do that. It doesn't work because what happens is the space usually can't accommodate all of those pieces, as well as you get a look that is not going to be the look you want. It, it doesn't have personality. It has, I bought it at a store written all over it. So guilty, you're guilty, guilty, guilty. <laughs> I well, that's okay. I didn't know that, but I'm still bringing it up. Yeah, that's so, awesome. I think buying things in individual pieces and not buying it all in one day is the other common mistake. People have this mission that they have to buy every last picture, plant, lamp, table, sofa, like get it over with. But you know what? You're going to be living with that stuff. So don't just get it over with, like buy stuff you love. Yeah. It might mean your, your coffee table is a cardboard box for a little while, but hey, that's okay. One of the big issues for us is I love color my better half does not. So we've had that, like, I, I, I'm not afraid of having a bold color in the house. She is more of a right. traditional, traditional oatmeal type person. So how, how do you get through that? Cause I, I don't think color is a crime, but I, I've, I've been accused of being a criminal sometimes, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. The color thing really is tough because of course, um, as a rule, if someone wants a lot of color they they say paint is cheap you know what paint is cheap so if you change your mind on the color you can just get rid of it yeah um as opposed to a carpet or a sofa is not an inexpensive thing and if you thought your you know bright orange sofa would be really cool uh, it might not be in six months to a year. So in that case, I say just limit it to pillows and accessories and cheaper items for that hit of color. Um, even with paint, you can compromise. Um, there's really great companies now that, wake, that make wall murals, kind of peel and stick wall murals that will have a really big punch of color on a wall. Uh, they often have some scenes or some abstract geometric shapes they're really cool and they're not as big of a commitment. Oh, that's great. Um, you're, I'm sure you're up to date with, you know, most of the latest trends. Is there something that's hot now in 2021 that you're seeing over and over again? Uh, I think what's happening, um, is that white kitchen cabinets have reached their peak. Oh, um, it's it's been a while for a, it's been around sorry for a good 10 years mm -hmm. and i think what happens is you see it first in kind of the uh, upper echelon the expensive homes will do it first but now what you're seeing is a trickle down every rental every condo everybody does automatically white cabinets definitely so mm -hmm. what happens is designer like you know builders hire designers who say like let's make this different so what's coming in really big is painted cabinets um, and, and painted a variety of colors. Speaking of liking color, um, there has been some, like a lot of color, like blue, for example, like a denim blue on kitchen cabinets. Um, again, mixing the painted cabinet with wood 
or mixing it with white. So you're seeing the white toned down, um, lots of color, and maybe some wood accents. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, we still get lots of buyers that say it has, absolutely has to be white cabinets, white cabinets. So, so it'll be interesting to see how long that will, will, um, will, will happen with our buyers. Um, next, we'll, we'll get a little controversial here in the decorator world. And, and it's something that people bring up and, and talk to me all the, all the time about and something I have no clue what it is. But what is feng shui? <laughs> okay, in its simplest form, I think feng shui, like a definition that would be simple, would be the placement of objects and architecture to achieve chi. And what chi is, is harmony. So you want the placement of things. Now that can be everything from your window to your door, to your toilet, to your sofa, um, to be placed in a way that feels correct and that achieves chi. Um, it's very different. There are specialists who deal with the Asian market who take it much more seriously than the Western world, which has kind of, you know, it dumbed it down. They've made it into some hard and fast rules that sometimes seem a little ridiculous. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to change the way your toilet faces, for example, once you've bought the house. Yes. Um, an example would be a hard and fast rule is no open tread staircases. Oh, you know, they're bad period. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a little bit of trouble with that because, you know, I've seen some beautiful example of open tread staircases and, you know, is it going to affect your wealth for the rest of your life? <laughs> I don't know. That's yeah. what the theory is, but you have to decide on how seriously you're going to take it. And so it sounds like that doesn't make or break every decision you make when you're working with a client. No, I think for me, what has happened is it becomes very intuitive. Like, I think not only designers, but people will walk into a place and you've probably seen a lot of this, Brent, is they'll say it just didn't feel right. Of course. You, yeah. you can't put your finger on it, but mm -hmm. I get that too. And I even get that once I'm walking into a furnished, like someone's home. I'll say, you know what, this, this isn't driving like this furniture needs to move here. This needs to be there. Have you considered not making this dining room your dining room? Yes. Like it, it's, um, it's a bit intuitive. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the true nature of feng shui. It's not about hard and fast rules. It's about that balance. Yes. And, and now you get, you did give me an example of a feng shui project that I guess went horribly wrong. Is that yeah, I had, client, <laughs> <laughs> I had a client who invited me to help her decorate, but she told me ahead of time there was going to be a feng shui master there. Okay. <laughs> um, and ultimately, this person's decision would override mine. So she was hoping that the two, she, she could have all of the feng shui elements, but still have it designed aesthetically. Mm -hmm. And it was going okay. Um, the woman was interested in some major renovation. So it was the time to do things like maybe move the bathroom, maybe, you know, change the staircase, whatnot. Um, but what ended up happening is a, a very serious discussion about, for some reason, the, the placement of the kitchen in her home should not have a heat source. <laughs> 
I was stunned. Yes, my expression was exactly yeah. yours. I T- mean, it's tough uh, pretty to hard. <laughs> yes, tough yeah. to cook. She actually um, decided that the heat source should be on a certain wall. I can't remember which direction it had to face, which meant that the wall oven was going to actually have to be in the dining room. Um, and, and I couldn't hold it in any longer. Like I just kind of laughed and said this, you know, this is kind of crazy. You're going to have a wall oven sitting in your dining room and your kitchen won't have any heat source. And like, it, it turned out that I was the one who got fired or I was the one who, who got overruled. And so I don't know the end result. I never did see the end result, but I think it probably is going to be a hard resell. <laughs> I, I imagine, yes, a kitchen without an oven and a dining room with one is is not something that most buyers are looking for these days. <laughs> right. Well, it, it's been fun. We'll wrap up here shortly. Just um, what inspires you? Where, where do you get your ideas? And, and how do you come up with an idea for, for any, any one project that you're working on? I think it... As soon as that meeting happens with the client, the gears start to go and I can be, you know, going for a walk in the forest and get some inspiration. I can be reading a book. Um, Traveling has always been very important to me. I'll flip through old photos and something will just click or um, something matches the mood of the client I met. So it's everywhere, you know, creative people get inspiration from everything you know flowers magazines tv books the the whole everything that's going on around us um and with this whole covid thing i have to say the creativity has been stifled a bit because we're eliminating a lot of that stuff we're eliminating travel for sure so well as a friend and a past client i can say um wholeheartedly that you're very good at what you do and I have Thank a lot you. of trust in your work. You've done both um, my current home and my office, and we're ecstatic with both projects. Uh, Bryn, I, I, the trust that we give to Dennis, it's it's pretty, um, he read me really well. I have a favorite color and, and most people who would know me that it's not tough to guess that I like black. And um, he came up with an idea to paint all the interior doors in our house black. Which wow. most people would be, you know, thinking, oh my God, that's crazy. And it looks spectacular. And in fact, actually, I shouldn't just say our interior doors, because actually every door in our house is now black, both inside and out. Um, and he showed me three little swabs of paint. Which black do you like better? And uh, they all three looked exactly the same to me. And, and he's like, no, no, this one has touches of gray. And this one has little flecks of brown. And, and looking at me like, how could you not see these? <laughs> and, and I can't recall which one we chose. Well, I, well, in fact, I did not choose. You did choose. And and it was the right choice, obviously. Our house uh, it looks wonderful. The black doors look absolutely incredible. And when people come over to our house, that's usually the first thing that they say about our house is, oh, my God, those black doors are amazing. Absolutely amazing. Hey, Dennis, <laughs> I got to ask, how does somebody get a hold of you? Um, you know, if it's a client of uh, Brent's, you can certainly get a hold of me through Brent, but I do just have a telephone number. And um, I've recently started to put all of my portfolio work on my Instagram account because I've never had a website. Yeah. Um, okay. And the reason I've never had a website is because I've always kind of been busy with just word of mouth, which is the, the biggest part of my business. Um, but yes, uh, I can certainly. Um, What's the phone number? Talk to some. 
780-964-5144. The Instagram account, oh, <laughs> I knew you were going to ask that. I I think it's doing, doing a, a double take. So doing is uh, slang. Okay. D-O-I-N, a double take. And that's because double take is my uh, business name. Oh, wonderful. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes yep. for anybody listening to the podcast. They can just scroll up in the show notes and you can find Dennis at that phone number and on Instagram. That's a great idea. I'm going to check out that page. I haven't seen you on Instagram. All right. Dennis, thanks for your time. And Brent, how does somebody get a hold of you? Well, if they want to buy a house before Dennis gets to fix it up nice, they can reach us directly at 780-464-0075 and or if they want to get the most for their property and they need to do a couple final touches on it, again, we could probably bring Dennis in for a consult and get his expertise to get you more money. You can reach us on the web at macintoshgroup.ca. And that's it for today. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I'm Brent Griffiths. He's Brent McIntosh, and we'll see you next time. 